ಸ್ಥಾಪಕಾಧರ್ಮಸ್ವಿಣೆ ಅವತಾರವರಿಷ್ಠಾಯಕೃಷ್ಣಾ ನಮಃ ವಸುದೇವಸುತ ಕಂಸಚಾಣೂರಮರ್ದನ ದೇವಕೀ ಪರಮಂದ ಕೃಷ್ಣಂ ವಂದೇ ಜಗದ್ಗುರು ಸೊ ಇನ್ ದ ಲಾಸ್ಟ್ ಕ್ಲಾಸ್ ವಿ ಸ್ಟಾರ್ಟೆಡ್ ಸ್ಟಡಿಂಗ್ ದ ಸೆಕೆಂಡ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ಭಗವದ್ಗೀತಾ ವೇರ್ ಇನ್ ದ ಸೆಕೆಂಡ್ ಶ್ಲೋಕ ವಿ ಫೈಂಡ್ that lord sri krishna is trying to first build up the confidence of arjuna who has been totally broken down because of being faint hearted so in the second shloka as we saw that very nicely bhagwan is reprimanding arjuna where instead of just admonishing him by saying that you are of no use of something like that what he is saying that i expected something better from you so that's in the last class we were indicating that even in our day to day life especially when we are bringing up the children this is the thing which we have to always keep in mind that sometimes the children do some silly things and out we lose our temper and we say you are silly you are stupid the same thing we could have told in a different way that you are such a nice fellow i expect such so much from you i never expected such a silly act from you that what's the the same thing but we are saying in a different way the child develops confidence he immediately becomes aware of the potentiality he has he doesn't feel that he is a stupid or he is a silly he is a nice boy bice or a nice girl suddenly he has done something silly which he can easily overgrow and that's the language which we find sri krishna is using to reprimand arjuna arjuna after all is the most capable warrior of his time and he is a person of integrity just for that moment because of the temporary weakness that faint heartedness has dawned upon him but that doesn't mean that he is of no use so what's the wonderful language krishna is using kutastwa kashmalvi from where it came it i was never it was never supposed to be kutastwa kashmalamidam vishame samupasthitam at the time of crisis when you were supposed to just manifest all the potentialities which you have you are such a skilled warrior you are having so much of courage you are man of integrity and just at the moment of crisis when it's required that all those faculties find the expression your faint heartedness overwhelmed him and they all are getting shadowed 
So come out of it. Anarya Jushtam, this is Anarya. That as we were indicating in the last class, Arya, the word Arya means civilized. But the etymological meaning, if you go to the literal meaning of the word Arya, it means that which is straight. So a civilized person, a cultured person is, support, so is supposed to be straightforward. So as Sri Ramakrishna used to say, mon muk ak, that what I say, what I profess, that's my inner nature. That's what I am. There shouldn't be any disparity between my speech and my thoughts. The thoughts and the speech should always be synchronized with concise. So that's the speaks, that speaks of Arya. So here we find Aryuna. Somehow, consciously he knows that he is not getting sufficient courage for the war, which he himself has actually wanted. He, wanted, he asked Arjuna to bring the chariot between the two armies just with that confidence. They just want to see that who all are there in the opponent's side with whom I'm going to fight in this holiday of fight, just to take care of them for their unrighteousness. With that confidence, he went and seeing his own kith and kin, suddenly he's finding himself drained out. And now he's speaking of all grand philosophy. So this speaks of that Arjuna is not having his, my, his thoughts conform to his speech. He's trying to philosophize. So that's the thing which speaks of Anarya. That you're not straightforward. Just come out, just get rid of faint-heartedness and be, just behave like an Arya, an Arya Jushtam, Aswargam. And this is not going to lead you to any type of accomplishment. Even in future, people will just say that Arjuna proved himself to be a coward with all his faculties at last. He ran away from the battlefield. So it is not in any way going to help you. So come up or from this faint-heartedness. So that's the thing which we find Krishna is admonishing Arjuna with that language. The next look also we find that the word which he used again to indicate Krishna, uh, to indicate Arjuna, that he's not supposed to behave that way. The word he uses klevyam, klivata, klevyam masma gama partha, naitatyayupapadyate, Kshudram Ridaya Daurvalyam Tyakto Tishta Parantapa. Klevyam. Klevyam means unmanliness. Klevata. Klevata. The word cleaver means that which has no life. Or even if it has life, it is in a very lower strata of evolution where it has very fixed responses. It has, it has to react to the stimuli as per the fixed responses. He's fully guided by the instinct. But as a human being, we are not supposed to be cleaver. We are not supposed to be cleaver. We are supposed to respond to the situation with responsibility, as we were indicating. The word responsibility means the one who has the ability to respond. No other creature has. As a human being, we have that faculty to choose our response. 
all other creatures are guided by the instinct. It is a fixed response. Those who are the, the inanimate things don't respond at all. And the animals which are at the lower strata of evolution, apart from the human being, they do respond, but in a very fixed manner. But the humans are the only responsible beings. They can respond. They have the ability to respond as per the situation, as per their choice. And from where they get that uniqueness? Because we are, the, as a human being, are the creature who can observe our own mind. Whether my thoughts are positive or negative, I can discriminate that. And based on that discrimination, if I find that faint-heartedness is building up, I have the willpower. I, have, I can chalk out my destiny. I can plan and have the willpower to guide my emotions by not allowing them to flow in some unwanted direction. I can bridle my emotions and take it in a proper direction. That speaks of manliness. So that's why he's using the word klivata, klivyam masma. Get rid of this klivata. Again, that positive way of saying, this doesn't befit you. Kshudram ridayadorvalyam tyakta uttishta parantapa. Just forsake this faint-heartedness. Renounce that. Get rid of that. And arise. Stand up. Be bold. Face the situation. So that's the slokas which we studied in the last class. So now we will find that Arjuna, though he is reprimanded, he has been reprimanded by Krishna, but still he is, he is a bit mellowed down, as his words will say now, but still he continues to philosophize. So in the fourth sloka, what Arjuna is saying, Arjuna watch, let's read the sloka, and then we will proceed to the discussion. Arjuna Uvacha Kathang Bhishmam Ahang Sankhe Dronang Chamadhusudana Ishubhi Pratiyotsyami Pujarha Varisudana Kathang Bhishmam Aham Sankhe Sankhe here means in this battlefield, in this battle. How can I shoot arrows to my Pitamaha, to my grandsire Bhishma? Drona, my teacher, oh Madhusudana, that you are asking me to get up and face the challenge. With whom I'm going to face the challenge? My grandson, my teacher, that's what I see in my opponent's side. Ishubhi Pratiyotsam, Ishub is with the arrows. How can I just shoot the arrows to my teacher, to my grandson? Who are worth of my worship? Pujarha. Pujarha. Arisudhana. This Arisudhana is another name of Krishna, the destroyer of enemies. So, oh, the destroyer of enemies. Here in the entire Mahabharata, we will find Krishna is the destroyer of enemy by destroying the doubt in Arjuna. Though he is not taking part in the battle directly. But he is there. He is the one who is the master plan. He's removing the doubts, making him convinced about the action which he's supposed to do. That, that is the thing 
which he should do. It is in no way unrighteous act. It is the thing which speaks of being the instrument in the divine plan. And he has to know that as Sri Ramakrishna very nicely used to say in the gospel of Sri Ramakrishna we find that indicating to his the close circle of devotees, those who are going to become the monks, showing them, he used to say very nice thing, that they did not have to do much. They should just know who they are and they should know who I am. And that will do. So here also, there's the same thing. Through the Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavan is going to make aware of that who Arjuna is, he's the instrument, and who I am, he's the Lord, the Lord's instrument. Once you know that, nothing has to be done. Everything flows spontaneously through your life. There's a nice incident. Swami Prema, uh, Premananda, one of the direct disciples of Sri Ramakrishna, he was the manager of the Belumat, being the manager of the Belumat, all the young brahmacharis used to join. He used to look after them. All the regular teachings, instructions, their day-to-day life was under his strict surveillance. So one day, one of the young novices told, so when, I, when we look at these direct disciples, you all, you're all so great and we feel overwhelmed. We are so insignificant compared to the greatness which we see in front of us, that you all, which are, that your life has inspired us, we come and we feel, we always feel that with all our, with all our sincerity, we can never be like you. And Premanandaji very nicely replied, you need not have to be something, become nothing. You need not have to be something, become nothing, so that the Lord, who is the something, he can work through you. That when Radha is asked, is saying Krishna, what he's saying, that see the flute which is tucked in your this the bridle which you have tied ac- across your uh, uh, what you say the uh, which you have used like a belt on that uh, uh, the flute has been tucked in. That flute is a very fortunate thing. You know why? Because it is always with you. We, most of the time, though we want to meet you, the society won't allow us. And it's just for a moment, for just some time, we can be with you. And again, we have this viraha. We have to get separated from you. But that flute is so fortunate. It is always with you. And Krishna never replied anything. He just brought out the flute and asked Radha to see through it. When she was saying through it, Krishna asked, what do you see? Let's vacuum. Nothing is there. Riya. Once you can become like that, a hollow, then it can be with the Lord always. And then only through your life, the wonderful music can be played. The Lord will be playing the music. Once we become the hollow, once we become the flute, the Lord plays the music through it. So that's the thing that for which the entire Gita is. 
the Lord is going to make Arjuna aware of that fact. And here we will find that it's just the beginning when he's totally faint-hearted. He's saying that, how can I just fight with them? The Lord is hearing. He will now bring gradually Arjuna to the senses. The next sloka also is in the same line. We find Arjuna is trying to reason out that how can I fight with the one who are my respectable seniors? Gurun Hatwahi Mahanubhavan Sreyo Bhaktum Bhaiksham Apihaloke Hatwartha Kamangst Guru Nihaiva Bhunji Abhogan Rudhira Pradikthan. So, when we are faint hearted, we compromise, uh, we try to shadow our faint heartedness with tall talks. So, here Arjuna is doing the tall talking. He is trying to philosophize what is in Gurun Hatwa, he Mahanubhavan. So, this Mahanubhava, these noble elders, by killing them, what I'm going to achieve? It's better, Sreyo Bhaktum Bhaksham Api Haloke. It's better, I just beg around. I don't need kingdom. I just go around begging Bhaksham, this whatever that for my sustenance, whatever is required, by begging, I get it. The arms, I get it. That becomes my source of sustenance. Hatwartha Kamangs Guru Nihaiva. By killing this, Elderly ones, those who are my worth of my respect. It is like bhunji bhogan rudhira pradigdhan. It is like enjoying a delicacy which is smeared with blood. That's the language Arjuna is using. And we find that Arjuna is most probably correct. That's what he's saying. Why should God reprimand him? But one thing we should remember, we should always remember the background. You know, very interesting. Even before the war started, when Arjuna asked Krishna to take the chariot between the two armies, before that, Yudhishthira not only took his chariot between the armies, he went to the opponent's side. He went to the opponent's side to meet Bhishma, Drona and Salya, the elders, his grandson, his teacher. He went to pay his respect to them because they are seniors. And for the last time, what he did, he told, see, it's so difficult to fight against you. You are all respected seniors. We adore you. So please do a favor. Either you be indifferent, don't take part in the war, or take part of the righteousness. Come to our side. See, even when the war was about to start, Yudhishthira is going and with full humility is requesting Bhishma, Drona and Salya. You will find in Mahabharata, the three of them, what they are saying is a wonderful language. Even in the present age, we are in the same dilemma, what they are saying. What they are saying, it's in the Mahabharata, it's not in Bhagavad Gita, but as a background to understand the context in which we are saying that Arjuna's faint-heartedness is in no way justified. What they are saying is wonderful. Arthasya dasa purusham dasa asti arthanakasya chit iti satyam maharaja baddha asti arthena kauravai 
Arthasya Dasha Purusha. See, the Kauravas are the one who pays us the salary. Our sustenance is because of that salary. It is that Artha, that money, which has made us the servant of Kauravas. So Arthasya Dasa Purusha, man is the servant of wealth. Wealth is never the servant of anybody. Dasha Asti Arthanakasya Chit. Iti Satya Maharaja. O King Yudhishthira, knowing this truth, know this truth, that we are Baddha, we are being bound by this wealth to the Kauravas. How true it is, even today, that sometimes our conscience pricks, our conscience pricks where we are working. But as we are working, we keep quiet. We have to be with the one for whom I am working. So the same thing we find in Bhishma, Drona and Salya. We'll find that though they were fighting for the Kauravas, but somehow they never had that sense of vengeance. They were helpless. Actually, we will find Bhishma is indicating the way he can be killed. He was unconquerable. But at the same time, he couldn't take the side of the Pandavas. So that is the dilemma in which they are. And even in the present situation, we find that if our near and dear ones are serving a corrupt system, or they are serving the corrupt values against which we are fighting, there is bound to be the mismatch of values. However we may love, there is the mismatch of values and which is bound to result in estrangement. We have to be separated. And such estrangement is okay, is desirable. As in the gospel of Sri Ramakrishna, we will find that for the sake of God, estrangement from Keith and Keen is acceptable. Very nicely saying. And what he's saying? Bharata. Bharata estranged his mother Kaikei for Rama. Estrangement was there for God. His mother was estranged. There is a mismatch of values and there is supposed to be an estrangement. Bharata estranged his mother Kaikei for Rama. Vibhishana estranged his brother Ravana for Rama. There are many other instances. In the Gospel, Sri Ramakrishna specifically is indicating with an example that when for God, for the sake of God, estrangement is something which is desirable. You find there's a mismatch of values. So in no way, this type of emotionalism, which is overwhelming Arjuna, is totally paralyzing him from taking strong resolution, is in no way acceptable. That's what we were indicating in the previous sloka, that as a human being, we have that willpower to guide our emotions. And that entails our responsibility. Situations are there when we find our heart is breaking, but we have to transcend that situation by being strong enough to guide our emotions by our will and act as it is desired. So this is the human faculty 
that we can rise above the context. We cannot most probably change the situation, but we can have an attitude, which attitude speaks of transcending that situation. That example which we give again and again, in a classroom, the teacher drew a line in the blackboard and asked the students, can you shorten this line without touching it? How is it possible? If I cannot just erase the, a portion of the line, how can I shorten it? So all were sitting silently. No one knew the answer. A small intelligent girl came, took the chalk from the teacher and drew a longer line parallel to that line. And compared to that line, <coughs> the line which the teacher drew becomes shortened, becomes short. So that longer line is our attitude, is our will to rise above the situation and to act as it is desired. So you will find that if you see the background, if you see the context, then you find the words of Arjuna is mere emotionalism. There is no other way than to resort to the fight which this battle has, uh, which the situation has entailed. There's no other way. And that's the thing which uh, Krishna will indicate to Arjuna in due course. But we find Arjuna is overwhelmed. Still he's philosophizing the sixth sloka. What he's saying? So I don't know which is gariyo, which is preferable. Na chait, na cha etad vidma. I do not know also, I do not also know among the two, which is more desirable. Katarano gariyo. Which among what to do? Yadva jayama. Whether we win, yadivana jayo, or we lose. If we lose, obviously our life will be horrible. Obviously we will be just thrown out of the kingdom. We will be almost like a beggar, a pauper. That speaks of the extreme dejection that is possible. That we understand. But if we win, is our condition going to be better? Just as in the last sloka, he indicated, it will be like eating a delicacy which is smeared by my relative's blood. How can you do that? So either we win or we lose after all, it entails extreme pain. How this Yaneva Hatwana Jiji Vishama Steva Stita Pramukhe Dharthrashtra? How can I leave the son of Dhritarashtra? Yes, from the childhood, they were the cause of our pain, but still they are all keith and keen. How can by killing them we can think of living? Because we do not even know which result of this war is preferable for us, whether conquering them or being conquered. And even after killing them, we will not desire to leave, though they have taken the side of Dhritarashtra and now stand before us on the battlefield. So it speaks of that total uh, uh, ahimsa, nonviolence, as if that's the thing 
which is desirable in this situation? We should know one thing. What he's saying is very interesting. In this life, we will find that we are in situations where whatever we choose, pain we are going to accrue. We are going to accrue pain. When we find in many situations, in family it happens. Sometimes a lot of TV serials we see that the boy got married and he most probably has the desire to do something for his parents and the wife doesn't like it. She wants that they should just what their wealth, everything should be meant for them only. In no way it should be shared with the family. And now we find the man is in dilemma. If I think for my father and mother or my other relatives, my wife gets angry. And if I just try to please her, my duty for my father and mother, I cannot do. Both of it is suffering. What can I do? It's a big dilemma. And here also we find it's a big dilemma. Whatever I do, I'm in pain. There's a very famous proverb which is generally attributed to Buddha because it, this word relates to the Buddha's teaching. What is very, very oft-quoted proverb. Pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. In situations of life, pain is inevitable. We cannot avoid pain. Does, does, that, does, does that mean that we should be a fatalistic, allow the pain to come in our life? No. We will find there are situations where I can get rid of the pain and I should try. But there are situations, most uh, you will find as we grow older, that there are situations where we are cornered. That even with all our capabilities, if I try to get rid of pain, I find there is no way out. And then what's the solution? When pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Should I suffer? To understand that, let, us, let me just tell a small story. A man who was bartered, this, who was battered by life, he found that everyone has cheated him, deceived him. His own relatives have deceived him. His family has deceived him. His spouse has deceived him. He was repeatedly, in the life, he was repeatedly cheated. And at last, becoming totally uh, dejected, he came to meet a recluse. A recluse who was staying in a small hermitage. He came to meet the hermit, the recluse there, and related his suffering, his pain. And asked, what's the use of this life? I feel like giving away of this life. This life has no meaning for me. And the recluse, without answering, just told, come with me. I will take you to the backyard of my the small hermitage. So when they went to the backyard, the backyard they found there are a lot of maple trees, which actually demarcates the boundary of the hermit. And those maple trees, when he saw, when we went near, 
with, along with the recluse, along with the hermit, that person went near, he saw that the maple trees have been used as a stump on which the barbed wire was nailed. So, so that it makes the, it demarcates the boundary from the neighbor. And now the recluse took this man to near a tree. The tree was extremely deformed. And now this recluse told a very interesting thing. He told that when I purchased this property, when this property was not purchased, was given to me by the well-wishers to stay here, these maple trees were young, were small trees. And the previous owner, the one who owned this property, he made what he did, he planted those maple trees just to demarcate the boundary. And he made it a point to make them the stump. On that, he nailed the barbed wires. Now, all this tree have grew, but this barbed wire is still there. Now, as you see, this tree is so deformed. Its growth is so crooked, so deformed. You know why? Throughout its life, it was reacting. Why should barb this nail, barbed wire be nailed on me? It could never accept. And its growth became extremely deformed. Now I will take you to another tree. Another tree, it has grown straight. The barbed wire has almost gone through the core of the tree. And now the recluse told, it has accepted. It knew I cannot get rid of it. If there was some way to get rid of it, of course I would have got rid of it, but there is no way. I cannot get rid of it. So I accepted. But there was no suffering. The pain was there. Accepting it, he, then what he took, this is going to be with me. In spite of that, I have to grow. In spite of that, I have to take the challenge and transcend all the suffering and allow that growth to happen. And it grew straight. Though the pain, the cause of pain has pierced through the core of his being. He was accepted. And accepting that, he did what he was supposed to do. That plant, it did what it was supposed to do. So that's the thing which is required. Here we are, do understand that there is pain, whatever you may do, but that doesn't entail that I should just simply allow the suffering to ensue because of that pain. If I just simply withdraw from the war, I will know from the bottom of my heart that unrighteousness has won. I couldn't face the situation with sufficient courage. My nerve felt at last, those who have won, they are the extremely cruel one from whom we asked only for, they have taken away, snatched away everything, but still we wanted peace. We wanted peace and we wanted just give five villages. And then they were speaking in the language of law. You will find Duryodhana is the one who represents in the present society, not present society, always the contemporary society in Vietnam, that what? That the laws are made to conform to the principle. What's the principle? Always you will find the principle speaks of win-win situation. Let us live in harmony in such a way that you also win, I also win. We both are benefited. And based on that principle, the laws are met. But we humans are extremely expert in using the law 
to bend that principle and exploit others. The entire legal system with all the multinationals, CEOs sitting in their companies, you will find sometimes you feel totally crushed the way the legal system is used to crush the so-called innocent person. They're all Duryodhanas. Duryodhana, like a king, is saying that if you have to get five village, speak of law. Have you ever heard a king giving away his land? It's only by fight. If you need land, fight. That was the language of Duryodhana. He was speaking totally legally. But that law came after he has already snatched. And now he's speaking of law. And then this type, if he is the one who is going to rule the kingdom, this unrighteousness that is going to prevail, where the law has been used to totally bend the principles and exploit others. And that others are not someone else, his own kith and kin, the brothers. In that situation, it's all the limits of forbearance have been crossed. When Krishna went to the Kauravas for the peace treaty, they tried to arrest him. They tried to kill him. It was Krishna who's by his divine power showing the Vishwarup Darshan, he came out. But that was their attitude. And here, how come the question of compromising with them comes? It may be a pain. It's a, it is the noble-hearted Arjuna who still has the love for his near and dear one. It's really something wonderful. For that, the pain, no one can take away from him. But that doesn't mean it should enter in suffering. He has to accept that pain and think of the welfare of the entire world where righteousness should win. If today I see my neighbor's house is in fire and I sit quietly, in no time the fire is going to engulf my house also. It is a passive goodness. Goodness will be of three types. Passive, active, we will come to that discussion in the, some succeeding sloka. But Arjuna is a passive goodness. It appears as goodness, but it is in no way goodness. That type of goodness, in the words of Ramakrishna, is the goodness of the elder, the pumpkin cutter. <laughs> he used to, uh, the Ramakrishna has a very nice way of admonishing people by using some wonderful allegory. One day, a devotee brought a person who was a widower. And he never remarried. And he was leading a very peaceful life, not doing any job, but most probably he had his ways of sustenance. So he was leading a just a peaceful life. And this devotee reintroduced that person. He's a very noble soul. Ramakrishna asked, what does he do? What does he do? Oh, nothing. As such, he does nothing. But he's a very nice man. And Ramakrishna immediately told, oh, it seems he is in Bengal, it is Kumro Kata Bottakur. It's very difficult to translate. Let us translate the way it has been translated in the gospel. Elder, the pumpkin cutter. And then he told that what, what it actually means. Uh, you know, in the village, there are so many, uh, some superstitious beliefs. So in Indian villages, in many places, uh, that belief is there. The woman folk who are in charge of the kitchen, who will be uh, just preparing the food, cutting the vegetables, cooking. So when you bring the entire pumpkin, the whole pumpkin, 
the women folk, folk were not supposed to cut it. They can cut it. Once it has been bifurcated, then they can cut it. So for bifurcating it, they need some male member. So they should come and cut it into two pieces. And then, of course, the remaining uh, dressing can be done by the woman folk. So now there was an elderly person who did nothing, who will just sit in the courtyard of the house and just have a hubble bubble in his hand, lazily spending time smoking the hubble bubble. And his only utility is the woman folk will call him, oh, sir, please come bifurcate the pumpkin. That's the only duty he does. It seems you are that elder, the pumpkin cutter. That's how strong language Ramakrishna is using. And here we find that Arjuna's passive goodness is speaking of that with all his qualities. At last, he's, he's going to prove himself as the elder, the pumpkin cutter with a passive goodness. When you find that there is the evil which is going to prevail as a kshatri, as a warrior, I, my duty is to stand against it so that lawfulness prevails in the society. But we find he's equating the pain with suffering. That suffering need not be there. It is optional. He can outgrow it. So pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. This we should know in our situations of life. If Otherwise we'll be reasoning like Arjuna. That whatever I may do, after all pain is there. So let me do nothing. So that cannot be the excuse. But Arjuna being overwhelmed, that's what he's speaking. Na chaitad vidma kataranno gariyo yadva jayema yadivana jayu yane vahatva na jiji vishama steva sthita pramukhe dharthrashtra. And now, so you will find that the one who has the doubt, it is conscience, is pricking. It is they who go on philosophizing. And they understand that. That I am philosophizing. At last we will find in the words of Arjuna that becomes palpable. And it's at that step, after confessing his condition of mind, now he will surrender to Krishna. So in even despite, in, despite this situation, where Arjuna has totally drained out. It is this act which saves, which becomes a saving factor, this surrendering to the divine. And then all the positivities are bound to flow in. It will just rush in. You can say surrender is just like making a small hole in a dam, the dam of your ego, make a small hole. Ego is like a big dam which doesn't allow the torrential flow of the river to come and flood your field. And you make a small hole in the wall of your ego and you have to do nothing. The water just simply in torrential flow, it flows and will be just in no time, it will flood your land. So that is the grace which follows once we open up, a little you open up. So that's let us read the sloka where we will find that Arjuna's last is opening up. Karpanya dosha upahata swabhava. Here the confession comes. Karpanya dosha, kripanata. We will come to it. Karpanya dosha upahata swabhava prichamitang prichamitvang dharma sangamurha cheta 
यत्श्रेयस्यान निश्चितं ब्रूहितन में शिष्यस्तेहं शाधि मांग तुंग प्रपन्नम कार्पन्य दोष the flaw of cowardice this is actually miserliness i won't say cowardice cowardice from kripanata the word karpanya doshakin that somehow kripanata has infatuated me upahata it is not allowing my real nature my swabhava to find expression kripanata has subdued it upahata it has shadowed it so now in this situation there's the only way out please counsel me please preach me prichami tvam dharma sangmurachita to whom to me who is in the cross road of his life in the cross road of his journey where he doesn't know that what to do what not to do dharma dharma speaks of the do's and don'ts in life how we have to act that speaks of dharma that in such a way which entails my welfare at the same time the welfare of others my welfare not at the cost of the welfare of others dharma means my welfare at the taking care of others welfare the win win situation that's the dharma but i find don't find what's the dharma at this situation where this the welfare of the society is taken care of as well as my own integrity is maintained i am totally puzzled and kripanata why is kripanata what the word kripanata means miserliness so the one who has lot of wealth but he doesn't want to spend the arjuna what he is saying is a wonderful word kripa this karpanya dosha he is having so many good qualities he is the that the best warrior of his time his to have the capability of administration he is a righteous person he is a noble soul in all ways but nothing of those qualities not a single of those qualities is finding expression they are as if still lying potential without finding expression so that's the miserliness you have the capacity but the situation overwhelms you so much that you cannot accept the challenge despite all your skills and qualifications if you don't have sufficient grit and resolution to accept pain and meet the challenges of life accept the just as the last shloka we were saying accept the pain and meet the challenges of life we become so careworn that we fail to perform optimally in our life it happens again and again even in the present day because of little office politics i get so overwhelmed that i proved to be a liability instead of being an asset if i could have just kept my calm i could have focused on what i am supposed to do and could have just simply ignored this all those uh, backbitings which are going on most probably i could have excelled but i gave them so much of imp- i gave all those backbitings so much of importance that it shadowed me all my good qualities got shadowed by them this little uh, disturbance became all pervading that's what happens when we are negatively biased most probably we have 99 good qualities one weakness is there but we dwell on that weakness so much 
that it simply covers up all those 99 goodness. It cannot find expression. It becomes all pervading. And then you become a kripana. You become a miserly person. All those good qualities are of no avail. Just the way the wealth of a miserly person is of no avail. So that's why the word karpanya dosha has been used. Dharma sangmurha cheta. Now what is dharma? That I do not find that what, how to act in this situation, how to act following the dharma. Now, as we were saying, what is dharma? So wherever we find the vyashti swartha, my personal selfish welfare, personal welfare, vyashti swartha, is guided by the samarthi swartha, the welfare of all. That is dharma. And where the samasti swartha is being totally transgressed under the whims of vyashti swartha, my own swartha, my own desires, my own, the desire for my personal welfare is so strong, I don't care for others. I simply trample over them. That is adharma. In a, to give a common example, that when in the morning I have to go to the CBD for my job, I'm in a hurry and I think that all the signals should be green. It can never be. That speaks of your Vyasti Swartha. That speaks of your personal welfare. But all other persons also want to go to the CBD or to their workplace in time. So we have to do justice to all. So of course, I have to get some green signals, some red signals, and I follow that. Then you are a dharmic. That your personal welfare is guided by the samasti sartha. You are following the traffic rules. But you say, no, I won't follow. Simply you just blow the horn and whatever the signal, I just go, you lose your points, whatever it may be. That is a dharma. As, what you say, plain as that. Throughout the world, it is not only in the traffic rule. God also has made some rules. We have to follow that. We can never break that. If we break that, our condition will be disastrous. You know, like this traffic, uh, this rule, it is in the God's rule. I will just say you something which is wonderful. Who plans that the, there will be the percentage of the genders, the male and female should be equal? Who plans? It is such an arbitrary thing. It's such a by chance thing that you don't, when one is expecting a child, it's not your plan, whether it is going to be boy or a girl. It can be anything. You may want a boy or you may want a girl, but you, what you desire, it's not going to happen. It may be a girl or it may be a boy. It may be contrary to your desire or it may conform to your desire. It may be a green signal or it may be a red signal. But one thing is very interesting. If you take the entire society as a whole, and if you don't disturb the nature, if you don't try to trample over the nature, allow the nature to work in its own way. The nature, which is the expression of the divine. Nature is not separate from the divine. In, this, in the nature, the divine's plan is enacted through rhythm, through rhythm, rhythm means laws. The rim, the power of the Shakti of the ultimate reality finds expression as rhythm, rhythm. The, the Sanskrit word rhythm is uh, in English has become rhythm. As law, a wonderful thing. No one has planned. You find if 
in the entire society, if you don't trample with the nature, the male and the female ratios are always equal. The traffic signals are working. All gets, what you say that uh, all are guided by the traffic so that all gets justice as a whole, not a particular person. But we all know that in India, uh, now it has reduced a bit. Some of the states we find there that when the scanning and everything was discovered, now I think I'm the master of nature. We trampled our personal, that whatever may be the signal, I have to just simply cross the traffic because I am in a hurry. My desire should be satisfied. And there was a lot of this, what you say, the killing of the infant. This infanticide was going on. Abortions was going on. To scan if they find there's a female child, it was killed. And there are villages where you'd find not a single female. The males just, there's a TV interview where they're saying that now the big question where they will marry, where the society will continue, this total disruption of the society in no time, in 10, 20 years you find. So now you find what is dharma, what is adharma. Where your personal swartha, your personal welfare is going to simply trample over the shamasti swartha. It is here at last, it is you have to suffer. Others also suffer, you also suffer. So now Arjuna is asking that what is dharma? Is dharma sangmura cheta? So this is the situation where I am, that I don't know that whether it is this that my will to. Uh, just win the battle is actually trampling over the Samasti Swartha in no way. That the reasons which he's giving is very interesting. That Dharma says, Dharma says, respect your elders. Dharma says, be uh, cooperative, have a common bond with your kith and kin so that all of you can thrive. So this is what the dharma says. And now I find that I have to fight with my kith and kin. I have to kill my elders. Is it dharma? And again, the other side, there's a, I'm in a, such a situation where the adharma is taking the other part, other side. And if I uh, do not take part in the battle, the unrighteousness win. So what? I'm in a very typical situation where I don't know that as per the traffic rules are concerned, I have to follow the traffic rules. But at the same time here, we find a peculiar situation. What's the situation? That the one, it is, it is written in the dharma that be respectful to the elders, be respectful to your teacher. Now I'm going to transgress that. But there are situations when we can transgress. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, the God who has made laws can break laws. The one who has made laws, he can break laws. Even in the day-to-day life, we find the government who has made the traffic rules, he do that government itself breaks the matter of traffic rules. You'll say how? Yes, in the form of the emergency services, like the fire brigade, like the ambulance, where the situation is such, you are, you need the emergency service. There, the government comes in the form of fire brigade and the fire from the ambulance, and you can break the law. 
So here we will find the God who has made the laws, he has kept a situation where he can break the laws. When he does it, when he finds that the laws are used to trample over the principle, the laws are made to follow the principles, as we were saying. But here, when we start using the laws to trample the principle, the Keith and Kin, of whom I'm supposed to take care, they are become the cause of disintegration of my well-being, of society's well-being. Here, no more. The law applies. It is a God who will break the law. You will find a wonderful thing. Rama is an avatar. Krishna is an avatar. Rama personifies righteousness by following the laws. Not a single law he breaks. That makes him God. And Krishna is just the opposite. He is Bhagavan who has broke all the laws. In the Mahabharata war, each and every defeat on the Kaurava side is because of the strategy of Krishna, which as per the law is concerned, is against the law. Everywhere. Duryodhana was uh, hit under the belt. Everywhere. Yudhishthira was made uh, asked to speak the untruth. Ashwatthama hata iti gaja. That iti gaja was spoken very silently. It is a God who is breaking the laws. Why? That again the same question. That why he is breaking the laws? He made the laws so that the laws conform to the principle. And we as a human being are so cunning. We can use the law to trample over that principles. And then God has to come to this complicated society. This society has become so complicated where nothing is black and white. In the Ramayana, everything is black and white. Rama follows all the rules, so he is the good person. Ravana breaks all the loot, he is bad person. But in Mahabharata, we find the good and bad cannot be defined that way. Everything it resembles with the present society where the legal system we use to actually exploit others. And that's the thing has happened. So God is going to break the law. And Arjuna is supposed to call 000. And that's what he will do in the next sloka. In this sloka, he's already done. Not only the next sloka. In this sloka only he has done. That what? That I do not understand that uh, what he's saying. Uh, that in this situation, what I have to do, I don't understand. So please preach me. So he has already called 000. He has, is in need of the emergency service. Yatsreyasyan I am your shishya. So here that resignation has come. And after that, the God will start speaking, following the present dictum of counseling. Never counsel others who has not asked for you, for help. So Krishna was waiting for that. When Arjuna was philosophizing, Krishna was quiet. When at last he says, I am in a, this, my situation is I am this, I am uh, inflicted with karpanya dosha, with kripanata. I don't know what to do. I am dharma sangamura, cheta. Please come to my help, rescue me. So now we will find God will take the charge. 
the Gita is going to ensue from the 11th sloka. A few more slokas are there. It will ensue where God will gradually remove all the confusions from the Arjuna's mind and give him the conviction that by changing his benchmark, till now Arjuna's benchmark is what? That, yeah, that, uh, that winning the battle, I rule. Krishna will change the benchmark. It is not just to rule. Yes, of course he will rule. But to establish righteousness this war, it is not that by defeating others, you are going to rule and enjoy. You are not going to enjoy. You will be suffering because you have to kill your near and dear ones. Just change the benchmark. You will find everything is okay. That not to enjoy. The pain still is there. But the righteousness is established. Dharma is established. For that, this battle is necessary. So in, you know, nowadays that a young boy, for the first time, a teenager, when he's in search of a car, his benchmark is how fast it should be a race car, how fast it can ride, he can have a drive. The same boy, the same boy, when he becomes a man, he's a married person, has children. Now his benchmark has changed. What? The car should be secured. All the security options should be very strong. Even if some accident happens, my children should be safe. The same person, as the benchmark changes, his choice changes. Now the here also, the God will be changing the benchmark. It's not just to win the battle and rule for which I'm asking you to take part in this battle, to fight. It is just for a different reason. For which divine plan is there, for which you have to become nimitta, you have to become an instrument. The pain still remains. Your kith and kin are gone. They will be killed. But yes, dharma will be established. And you have to be an instrument in that. So God will now gradually bring that point home in Arjuna's mind. And then we will find at the end of the Gita, Arjuna is revived back. A wonderful scripture which speaks of our day-to-day life. In no way it segregates spiritual life with the secular life. Many will be taking Gita as an internal journey where the war is with my all the negativities within. It need not be so. We can take it literally. We have to take it literally if spirituality has to be a 24 by 7 affair. It's not cocooning myself in my meditation chamber forgetting about the world. The world has to be faced. It has to be faced calmly. I have to have contemplation in the world of action. And for that, the Bhagavad Gita is, the God's teaching is. So we will continue with the Gita's slokas, the succeeding slokas, again in the next class. With this, we stop our discussion today. Thank you all. Namaskars.